get our Bibles together, please, this morning. I'm excited to have a message from the Word of God for you. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. You open your Bibles there, please. few times as I'm preaching, you're going to see me take a little time to read a little statement I've written down for you. I'm going to be precise on some things this morning with it. I'm glad you're here because you're finding Mark chapter 12. Let me make a statement to you and help you. There should be real changes at your house because of what you learn at your church. The house of God will influence the house of of the godly. We come to learn, to be instructed, and uh, to be changed, not just to be, certainly not to be entertained. Kind of funny, I'm particular on a lot of things, but some things. I never refer to where I'm standing as a stage. It's not. That, that conveys the wrong thing. It's a platform. And it's just a, a place where we have a way a little bit elevated and a way we can speak well to a group of people. But your church is not just a place to come and say, okay, well, consider some things there. It's a place to come to receive instruction from the Word of God, which you then, because you have a copy of the Word of God, you check and you you study, and then you apply the Word of God to your daily living. When you do that, you grow, and God starts teaching you things. And the more you grow, the more opportunity you have for growth. Because once God sees in you a desire to grow... He feeds that. He, he, he will start directing you. He will start, uh, start instructing you in ways. And then in your own private Bible reading, things will start opening up. And uh, it's amazing. Right now, of course, as a church, we're going through the book of Matthew. And uh, as we're reading the book of Matthew, there are things uh, uh, three days ago, I just it was thing after thing I was going through. And I'm like, how many times have I read the book of Matthew? You know, 42 and a half years as a Christian and 41 of those as a preacher of the gospel. How, how, how many times have I, have I read Matthew? And yet it was just like, my goodness, oh, that fits over here and that goes over here. God's got a lot of good stuff for you in your Bible. I hope that you want it and, and want to get it. Um, today's message is one of the messages that can help you in a godly way. And it's because it's going to go to the core of our value and decision-making process. And so it'll help you if you'll get what God has for you. It's also going to deal with some specifics. Now let me just th- think with me here for a second. We're going to go into Mark, and it's going to be just a biblical message. But think with me a minute. If you had this morning, if you had decided, and, and let's say it wasn't Lord's Day morning, but you had attended somewhere where someone was teaching on finances. <clears throat> and someone got up to lead the thing on finances, and they said, now you all, some of you all may have some habits that are not good financial habits that might be causing you problems and and could be undermining everything you're trying to do in life and you need to avoid those things which are not good habits and there are good financial habits and you need to start doing the good financial habits so avoid the bad financial habits uh start doing good financial habits appreciate you coming have a good day you'd say what in the world i think you'd want a little more specificity than that wouldn't you You'd say, no, I need to know. Well, give me some details. What kind of things? What are bad habits? What are good habits? And what makes that? If you went somewhere where they were teaching on nutrition and health, 
They got up and said, you may be doing some things which are undermining your health and may cause you a problem down the road and could lead to very serious health complications in your life. You need to avoid those things. Just don't do things that are bad things for your health. And there are good practices. Do the good things. Thank you for coming. You would say, what in the world? Hopefully you wouldn't have paid for that. <laughs> That's the way a lot of church services are run. I do what's right. What's godly? What is that? Now, it's, we come to learn some things specific. Not to have a preacher run your life. Goodness sakes, I don't want to. Couldn't if I wanted to. and I'd, I'd be nuts if I wanted to. i got enough to take care of mine. But I do want to instruct you clearly from the Word of God. And then you take the Word of God and just all I ever ask you to do is hear carefully what I'm saying the way I'm saying it and check it with the Word of God. And let's allow the Word of God to work in our life and teach us what we need to do to live according to the way that God wants us to live. That's all I ever ask of you. Listen carefully. Take what's said. Check the Scripture with it. See if I'm on track with the Scripture. And then we'll go from there. And, and it'll go. Let's look there in Mark chapter 12. As I say, enough of the preamble. Let's amble. Amen. Mark chapter 12. Does it seem a little warm in here, do you? No? Okay, it's just up here. Get heated water. Water here. So, Mark chapter 12. Let's begin, if we will, in verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, different groups had come and had to trip Jesus, tried to trip Jesus up with their words, tried to trap him with his words. It says, one of the scribes, someone who made their living by writing, in this case, probably, certainly someone who wrote and copied the Word of God. One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Interesting. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Now, we'll come back to the reading, but let me say to you, loving God with all of your heart, loving God with all of your soul, your mind, and your strength, does not mean to the exclusion of being able to love anybody or anything else. What it does mean is we would not also try to, at the same time, love something that is contrary to God. In other words, some of the very clear commands in the Bible, I'll give you an example of one. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. That's a pretty intense love. That's a very thoughtful love. That's a very detailed love. That does not at all conflict. In fact, it's in harmony with loving the Lord our God with all our heart. So that right love is not in conflict. Loving God with all your heart does not mean there's no room for anything else. What it means is you do not reserve a place for something that's a conflict with who God is. And same with your mind, same with the soul, same with the strength. Why? Uh, you can work and give your strength to whatever you're doing, taking care of your household, working your job, whatever you're doing. You're giving your strength, and there's plenty, that's, that's fine. God says while you're doing that, you can honor me. But if you give your strength to something that's against the written and, and revealed Word of God, then that's in conflict 
And so understanding what that means by all of our heart and mind, let's look at it again. We'll, we'll pick, up the, pick up the verse there again. Uh, verse 30, it says, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And uh, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, there's none other but He, and to love Him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that He had answered discreetly, He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask Him any question. Um, the message I'm speaking to you this morning is entitled this, Four Points of Conflict. Four points, four points of conflict. Um, we're going to see that there are, uh, there are points of conflict. If you look, God um, has, He reveals that these, these uh, things, the heart, the mind, the, uh, the soul, the strength, He said that they are valuable to God and God says that He wants us to love Him completely with those things. Well, if those are valuable to God, if your heart and what you do with it, if your soul and what you do with it, your mind and what you, what you do with it, what you allow to influence it, and your strength, those are valuable to God and God says, I want you to love me with those entirely. I can assure you that our adversary uh, very much targets those areas as a point to take you away from God. He wants to, he wants to remove you from, from uh, uh, following God in those areas. A title presupposes there's a continuing conflict. I'm going to show you some Bible evidence for that. Turn with me to a few, few verses here with us, if you will. Um, look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you're not familiar with your Bible, as I wasn't when I first received the Lord and started going to church, uh, then when I start reading, just listen carefully. Because if you keep trying to find it at that point, you'll miss what I'm reading and you won't be there. Unless you may be a point of distraction for those around you. So 1 Peter chapter 2, look in verse 11 if you have it open there. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. So there's a conflict, isn't it? Look at the term that God used. There's a warfare. And there's something that's in battle here. And he said the fleshly lusts, they war against the soul in so many different ways with it. Look, go on over to chapter 5 of the same book, 1 Peter 5. I'll move over there while I have you in that book. And I will lay foundation and then get to the preaching with it. But I want you to have the biblical foundation for what we're learning this morning. Look in verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Then, as a warning as we do that, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren 
that are in the world. And then he gives great promises about the God of all grace and what he does for us there. But notice so far, the Bible said there's a war, like a fleshly lust, war against the soul, point of conflict. I'm not making up the scenario. It says our adversary, the devil, is walking about as roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's a point of conflict with that. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter. I'm showing you that it's uh, it's not just a verbal imagery I'm using. It's it's the Bible with with what it compares it with. Second Timothy four verse six and seven. As the apostle Paul was coming to the end of his ministry and his life, he would be martyred for the faith, executed for what he preached and believed. He made this statement in verse 6. He said, For I am now ready to be offered. That's the idea that he knew he was going to be a sacrifice. I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Look how he describes his ministry. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He said there was a conflict, and I was engaged in the conflict, and by God's grace and mercy, I was able to, to stay and follow the Lord through the points of conflict. That's what I want to help you be equipped to do today. Last one I want to show you, and this is Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm glad to be in a Bible where you can hear, or be in a Bible, be in a church where you can hear Bible pages turning. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm glad to be in the Bible also, by the way. Ephesians chapter 6, and then let's look in verse 10. It's amazing how much Galatians does not read like Ephesians. 6 verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And look at this, talking about conflict. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. So points of conflict with that. Listen to these two brief but powerful verses in 2 Timothy 2. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Jude, the third verse, says this, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. And so it's conflict. People say, I like to avoid conflict. Well, I understand that. If you don't go you know, harassing people and fussing people all the time, that's a good thing. But you're not going to live for God in a fallen world and not have conflict. You're not going to try to live right and soberly, righteously, and godly. All the things that grace teaches us that we're supposed to live, you're not going to do those things and not have conflict. If you've been reading in the book of Matthew, as we've been reading as a church, you've been reading what Jesus came said, I came not to send peace upon the earth, but the sword. He said there's going to be divisions over who I am. There's going to be divisions over what I am. And by that way, that was not Christ sending His followers into the world with swords to subdue people by force. 
Now he was saying there's there's a uh, he said there's going to be a conflict. It, you you go against what's normal. You go against what's accepted. You go against what is the everyday get, go along to get along mindset. And he said when you do that, you're going to have conflict. Now, uh, if you're going to live a godly life, if you're going to want to be uh, like your heavenly Father in your actions, your love, your 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 integrity, what you do, then you're going to have points of conflict. And I submit to you today that God shows us that a lot of that conflict centers on the four different things we were reading about just, just a few moments ago. I wrote this statement down. Our text shows that Jesus taught there are four main divisions of life. And four divisions of a life that is holy and properly given in devotion to the Lord. He gave these divisions as heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's natural that these points, which are to be points of love and devotion to God, would be contested by the adversary. And that he would try to cause us to deviate in one of those areas. Your adversary, not just your flesh, it's bad enough, and it's always with you, that's the thing. But your adversary, the devil, is real. And he wants you, your mind to be taken off the Lord. He wants your heart to be set somewhere else with your affection. He wants your soul to be engaged with someone besides the Lord. He wants your strength to be dissipated and useless and, and maybe even uh, bad and profligate things that, uh, that would take away your strength and use it for bad purposes. I want to look at each one of these and show you this. And let me show you these. Look at, we'll take them in order. First of all, let's consider the heart. Here's a statement. Our adversary will seek to divert our affection. We are doing a uh, series right now on the seven churches in Revelation. We have uh, the seven churches that are in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. It's a good good study in there. Just finished Thyatira and uh, learned about them on, on Wednesday and some things that were going on there and what God said about that, uh, that church and a wicked woman that God called Jezebel. She called herself a prophetess and she was deranging the church and causing problems with it. And there were some things about that. We're learning as we go along. And uh, what happens is, in the, uh, as we're learning about these things, we find the first church of the seven is the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus had a lot of things going for it. It really did. But it was, one of the, it was the church that God gave a very, very strong rebuke to. He said, Ephesus, if you don't get something right, He said, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. Well, if you're in a study in Revelation 1, we know the candlestick is the church itself. God said, I'm going to take away your church charter. Now, this church had its official first service and personality of the church. I've always thought this is very revealing. On April 1st, you've been around here a long time, you really appreciate that. April 1st, 1984 was when it was first, first started, way back when. Well, this church was started or chartered or recognized, you know, formed as a church at that point. Our churches are independent congregations. We have fellowship with many, many of like faith and we come together for uh, things to get the gospel around the world and to, to help one another and such. But each church governs its own affairs. And uh, this church was founded in 1984. It's not on this property itself. We acquired that, uh, this property here about 29 years ago. And so it's, uh, we were somewhere else, but the congregation was founded. Well, here's the thing about it. Uh, this church, uh, God forbid, but it could get to a point where let's say if people just quit coming and it went down, it could get to a point where it would dissolve. Assets would be sold, whatever like that. 
Unfortunately, that's happened with many churches, hasn't it? But in Ephesus, there was a church there that God said, I'm going to take away your charter. He said, you may still meet as a group. You may still congregate as, as, as a group of people, but you're not any longer going to be chartered by heaven. And here was their issue. He said, you have left your first love. They left their first love. It was a case of abandonment. It was a case of uh, uh, forsaking. Their affection was uh, taken somewhere else. And when that affection was taken away, then that first love was no longer there. Our adversary wants our heart. That's a point of conflict. Do you know the Bible says that we are to set our affection? If ye then be risen with Christ, then set your affections on things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Do you know the Bible teaches that's a clear Bible teaching? So we have a choice on what we, we uh, uh, believe and what we, what we hold dear. And God said you've got to decide to care about the things that I care about and care about me through that. And so what happens is the heart is, uh, uh, he's trying to divert you. It's a point of conflict. But a lot of things can steal your heart. I was reading in Proverbs and uh, prophecy that went on to King Lemuel and it said, uh, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy, thy heart unto that which destroyeth kings. It's a pretty interesting study. You find out what's destroyed kings down in the Bible. You know what's at the top of the list? If you study all the kings that got destroyed, it all comes back or originates with one thing. It's called pride. And that's where the destruction begins, always with pride. And so then it goes from there uh, with that. When you think about affection, think about loyalty as revealed in faithfulness. Affection shows up in loyalty as it is revealed in faithfulness. Being loyal is not the idea of just lip service, saying, oh, I'm loyal to such and such. <laughs> there are people in our city and in our county here that I've known, have been in town a long time, and there are people, I meet them. They'll go out of the way if they see me to come and greet me. We'll talk. I'm glad to talk to them. They'll ask specific questions about the church. So-and-so is still there. Things are still going on. You all still have services like you always did. Da, da, da. Seems important to them that the church is still operating. But some of them, it's been even decades since they've ever been you know, you say, well, they love that church. No. I'm sorry, that's not real affection. Suppose I said to my wife, I love you, and uh, I'll check in again in six months and see how you're doing. <laughs> that's not going to fly. I thought I'd be stupid to do it, but that wouldn't fly. And if you're just checking in once in a while to see how God's doing, I'm not talking here just within the restriction of church attendance, but if you're only checking in in your heart to see how God's doing once in a while, if it only crosses your mind once in a while as to whether or not you're pleasing to the Lord with what you do, then there's a lack of affection there. There's a point of conflict and our adversary wants to take our affection away. Our affection gets taken somewhere else. The heart shifts. It's, it's prone to do it. The songwriter, when he said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, he echoed what we feel in our heart. We know what it's like to feel that. Let's, let's stay faithful to our God. Let's choose to love Him. Let me give you a couple of very practical ways God allows you to, to develop that. Uh, maintain a life of thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God. Actually giving thanks. Not just feeling thankful. That's a great place to start. But giving thanks. I'm talking about when you're by yourself. Thank you, God, for... 
thank you, God, for who you are. And if you're having one of those days where you're hoping if you blink long enough, it'll go away, then you can thank God for who He is. Lord God, thank you. I'm, I've got a God that's faithful. I'm glad I have a God that's true. I'm glad I have a God that's pure. I was talking in my adult Bible class this morning and in the Sunday school hour, I was telling about the profane and old wives' fables. And I was talking about how profane those old Greek mythologies are. That was written to Timothy. His father was a Greek. That's filthy. You start reading that Greek mythology. I read it when I was very young and looked at it again. I thought, like, my goodness, it's profane and vulgar and filthy. With that. Our God's not that way. Our God's not avaricious. Our God's not dirty. Our God's not manipulative. He's a holy God. And uh, I'm telling you, you can just get, you can get your heart backward ought to be towards the Lord. God's good music is good for that too. Anybody who knows me, I mean, I lead the choir and direct the music now with that, but, but uh, uh, you don't have to sing to lead a choir. You have to lead to lead a choir. And uh, thank God. But anybody who knows me well knows I can't sing. I can sing. It's just, you know how the Bible says making a melody in your heart to the Lord? That's exactly where mine stops. <laughs> what comes out here is not melodic or on, on key. And uh, I know that, but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> you, get, you get singing about something. You get, you get singing for the Lord. Learn God's songs. Learn how to sing them. I was uh, yesterday, my, my wife, or day four yesterday, it was yesterday, Saturday, it was Friday, at the house. Friday's one day of the week I, I endeavored to take off. And, and uh, we're at the house, and, and my wife was going around singing the choir special. She was singing that. She goes, this is how I practice my songs for what's coming up. Well, I'm glad to hear because my wife sings very well. So it's nice having her do that. You sing. You thank God. Your heart. It's a point of conflict. Always going to be something to take it away. Hey, don't the concerns of life bear in on you? Don't hurts come that bear in on you? But God wants you to be able to love Him with your whole heart. God will help you if you seek to do it. Then the second one He said, He said the soul. This is interesting. The soul is the will and essence of our person. When we love God with our whole soul, we're glad to submit our soul to His revealed will. Please follow carefully in this. I'll help you with something. That's where the conflict comes in. Submitting ourselves to the will of God is where so much conflict comes in. People, there's not clear teaching on it many times. And then people say, what's that mean? And I believe that it's not, the, the understanding is not helped by such statements as you're to have no will. Just do the will of God. I believe that's a biblically founded statement. I want to have a biblically founded faith. That's like telling somebody they can't breathe. Somebody tell me, just don't think about something. Everybody give you that great advice? Just don't think about it. Apparently they weren't thinking when they gave that advice. It doesn't exactly work that way so easily. What's the saying of submission then? This is not an abdication and this is not us not having a will. But what it is, is us deciding to bring our will into line with what God's revealed will is. His will is revealed in His book, in His Bible, with that. Let me give you an easily understood example with this. Perhaps uh, there's a family, and uh, you, you might think when I say this, oh, family wouldn't do that that way, but I'm sure you've been dealing with people a long time. People do all sorts of things. Um, maybe someone came up in a family where it was considered okay in certain circumstances to lie about things. Really, it's part of how they do things. 
if uh, a situation can be taken to advantage and it can help you go forward in some area by, no, I said a little, little phrase, a little white lie, which is something unknown to the Lord. Um, if you say, well, I didn't hurt anybody, I hurt God. He's a God of truth. He hates lies. And so he, they say, well, that's the way we do things. That may have been passed down for generations. may have been the way they've done things. Sometimes it's in a family and people try to avoid conflict. They'll lie about something rather than deal with the fact that truth may bring a, some type of conflict. They say, uh, well, do you like so-and-so? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Just because they know that person talking to them can be argumentative and stuff and rather than get into something, they'll lie about something. Sometimes that's been a, 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 an influence in a family. I'm going to talk to you. I'm talking to you here about what we do with our soul and submitting ourselves. So that's what somebody's known. That's the way you do that. Oh, that's just the normal way of doing things. Oh, you don't lie just to lie, but you know sometimes you have to. You got you know you got to go along to get along. That kind of mindset with it. Are you paying attention over here? Yeah. All right, sit still. You're acting squirrely. Um, they, <clears throat> too much sugar. <laughs> too much sugar. I can tell already. Uh, the uh, but but watch what happens. That person who has that going on in life comes to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go back over to Ephesians. So if you've got a mindset, you have in this mindset here, someone who is, they're thinking lying is okay and it's just part of what you do and everybody does it and it's part of business, blah, 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 blah. Whatever, whatever the excuse is with it. In Ephesians chapter 4, that person starts learning their Bible and they come across these Scriptures. I'm talking here about this thing in the soul. Look at verse 14. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body... Uh, fitly joined together and compacted by that by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth. Okay, I told you that's a good word to learn. We talked about that on Wednesday. From this point forward, regardless of what your family trait's been. Regardless of what you've been taught. Now we're talking about our soul and loving God with our whole soul. We're talking about a point of conflict. Here a person is. They're learning this Bible. They're hearing this preach. The Bible's open. And they're somebody who in their family, well, this is part of what you do. But wait a minute. They read these words. Verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work on cleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. What's it say about lying? If so be that you have heard Him, have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, 
and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, because you have all this going on, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. If we are members one of another, I need you all two to quit. These people being in church. So what happens is, he says, I want you to put away lying. Take it away. Now here, it's a point of conflict. The heart or the soul, this is what they've learned. Here's how they've interacted. Here's what's been acceptable. That's not acceptable. And so they come to church and they find a certain behavior is not acceptable. They thank God they're in a good church because they've got somebody who actually tells them what's right and what's wrong behavior. Now open the Word of God and, and they see in the Word of God this person says, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to keep lying. I'm supposed to speak truth with people I meet. Point of conflict. Issue of submission. Are, are you going to, is that person at that point, are they going to exert their own will and just keep doing what they've always done or are they going to act according to what's revealed in the Word of God and say, well, I need to learn how to speak truth. And I, that's a choice. And when we do that, they have not said, oh, I have no will in life. They've not turned their mind off and can't think anymore. What they've said is, I've learned something greater than the way I do it, and I'm going to follow that. And we submit ourselves at this time. It's amazing how, how it happens with that. And uh, look at the rest of the verses in that in that. Uh, Chapter just uh, uh, going in in Ephesians 6, there's several things when you look down at them, um, or Ephesians 4 rather, um, when you look at it, there's some other things. Look at the listing there. I not mean to close my Bible on that. Look at the listing of some other things that will enter into your life. These are areas where you can submit. Maybe as I read these carefully, God will show you something in your life today where you say, hey, that's an area where I could start loving God with my whole soul. It's a point of conflict where I have opportunity to submit to the Lord. Look what it says, verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, upon your wrath. Neither, neither give place to the devil. Look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor. Learn how to work. Learn how to labor. Working with his hands, a thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So don't steal from people. You learn to be generous. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That would not just be vulgarities and cursings, but it would be, uh, it would be gossip. It would be detrimental things. It would be slanders. But that which is good to the use of edifying. There's something we can start doing. Building people with our speech. That may minister grace to the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. And God has feelings. We should not sorrow God by misbehavior on our behalf. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There's a lot in those few verses, aren't there? That's your soul. Um, Maybe God will show you something that needs done. Then He said in your heart, your soul, and in your mind, listen to these Scriptures. The Bible says, come now, let us reason together. I love that verse. God says, I gave you reason. Use it in conjunction with me. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus in the book of Philippians. Let it be in you. A certain way of thinking. 
How about this verse? It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. <laughs> Those are great passages. God designs uh, to help us with our minds. Something as vital and powerful as the mind is a point of conflict. Our adversary seeks to capitalize on a carnal or corrupt mind. The ultimate goal is getting people to a reprobate mind to a point where they cannot and will not receive truth. We have people in our society who are there. Say, do you know who they are? I don't. I speak truth to people. I witness to people. But I guarantee you, some people think the only line that can be crossed that's a finality of the line is death, and that's not accurate. A person can get their mind so reprobate that they will no longer hear. That's an ultimate goal of things. We need to be careful of this. The Bible says the carnal mind is not subject to God in Romans chapter 8. Neither indeed can be. And conversely, the Bible says we're transformed, we're made new by the renewing of our mind. That's a great passage in Romans 12. There is such a battle for the mind, it is staggering. Let's speak to your parents for a moment. I hope you'll let your preacher help you. Be a gatekeeper, be a porter. Put the word porter on porters, especially Nehemiah and other places in the Old Testament. You say, what's that? Well, there were people along the entryways to a city. You'd have a wall around the city. And they were at the entryway where people come in out of that city. The gatekeepers, the ones who had the gate, they'd be up on the wall. They could see off long distance. They could tell if there was an army coming or a group of people. They could give a warning. The porters were down along the bottom. And what would happen is, someone would be coming into the city, the porters would check what's coming in. They would check detail to make sure there was nothing being brought in that would be damaging or against what that city did. You know, if you fly and, and that sort of thing, you're used to, there are checks to make sure nothing dangerous is going on to a plane or being brought in, that sort of thing. Uh, when my wife and I, uh, on our 25th anniversary 10 years ago, we went up to the uh, uh, Canadian site of Niagara, and, and uh, when we came back across into the United States, of course, had a passport, and we came in, and, and then they checked us there. And uh, we had uh, apple or some type of fruit. They wouldn't let it come in. They said, that can't come in. I said, what do you mean that can't even come in? It went out with us. It was, we had coolers with food. We had dinner. I said, that, we took that, and they said, no, you can't bring that across. That particular fruit's not allowed to come in. And the guy explained to me in detail why we could not bring those into the United States from Canada. And I go, okay. And then he closed the lid and said, go on in. And then we ate that boy. He never took it. I don't know what that was all about. But a porter is somebody who checks what's coming in. There is so much vying for the minds of your children, it's incredible. And in a technologically advanced age, <laughs> the capacity of influence is staggering. Be mindful of how things come in. Watch what's being influenced. Be careful of uh, the role-playing things, whether it be I'm going dating myself on this and went back to the Dungeons and Dragons days. It's still around, but certainly not one of the top ones. But the Pokemon stuff, 
to the other things where they had changed identities. You're messing on a spiritual level with things that are massively dangerous. Very quiet in here right now. I'm not angry. I am concerned for a generation that doesn't know. Thinks it's just life, you know, junk stuff over here. Oh, that's make believe. It isn't. When they want to have an avatar, that's another self in a different dimension or a different form. These open people up for literal spiritual invasion. The children's personalities start changing up. The things will start going on. You're wondering what's going on. Be a gatekeeper and be a porter and be wise. You don't think there's an assault on the mind? I'm not an elderly man. I know my youngins in here may think I am at 58. It is indescribable. I cannot describe to you good folks in here who are in your 20s and 30s and your good young adults sitting in here. I cannot describe to you that you are in a completely different nation than what I grew up in. That's right. Completely. I'm not talking about there's been some you know, societal mores have changed and there's some legislative things that have happened. There's some good things that have happened. There are many other things. It doesn't even resemble what it was. It wasn't perfect before at all. Back in my day, we had folks called Center of State. I was one of them. <laughs> and uh, believe me, trust me. But there's a mindset among Christian people, an openness for error that is unbelievable. And it is, the hallmark of it is, what I've seen, is not willing to stand against anything. Or not very much. Man. You don't have to abuse somebody to stand. May God help us. I have had uh, two different advertisements as I was looking up history things. Two different advertisements have hit me. Just on the, on the phone there, I was looking up some information on history. This thing, that's, it's getting big in history, and it's saying, trying to show you the origin of things, where things come from. It's called Gaia. Gaia is the name of the goddess of Earth. It's supposed to be the mother of all the other gods. It's, it's a false deity. It's worship of a goddess. G-A-I-A. The way they're advertising this, they're showing things. They're showing things about industry. They're showing things about history with it. And when it comes up, it, it says, it goes through all this impressive looking stuff and it says learning origins of whatever. And then it has a tree. It has one arrow pointing up, one arrow pointing down. It has the name of that group, Gaia, who they've taken the name of the earth goddess that's been around for millennia. And it says, as above, so below. That is a occult phrase. That is a occult phrase, pure occult. As above, so below. It's Luciferian. And what happens is they have a tree saying source of knowledge from Mother Earth. People say, oh, that's neat. That's not neat. It's the old mystery religions that the Bible warns about. Very quiet in here, isn't it? And it's not 
I'm not up here ranting and raving and throwing a fit. I am soberly warning the people that God has entrusted me to pastor. If this is your church, I am your pastor. I'm not the Lord over your faith, but I am to lead you in the right way by the Word of God. And may God have mercy on me if I don't speak clearly truth. That's why it goes on. Please be careful. Please, this stuff is just amazing. Some of you sitting in this room right now, you said, you made the statement, you keep your kids away from Disney stuff now because of their embracing of the sodomite stuff and what they're doing with that. You wouldn't have thought of that when I started out. It was a wonderful world with Disney. And all the stuff that was going on with that. But now they've given themselves over to it. But they got there. Some of us started warning about their stuff a long time ago when they became so witchcraft-oriented. They're going somewhere with it. There's a point of conflict. God wants your mind to be sound. Remember reading about that fellow in the Bible who he was in such bad shape. He was horrible shape. Nobody could tame him. He lived out there in the tombs. Remember reading about him? Fellow among the gatherings. And he was so wild, he lived among the tombs. He imagine he looked like the graveyard. And he was so wild, people couldn't even pass by. He would attack him. They had grabbed him. They tried to keep him. They put chains and everything else on him. He broke him loose with superhuman strength. He was cutting himself all the time. And I've dealt with more times than I care to think about people cutting themselves because of things going on in their lives. And, and cutting themselves and, and crying out and emotionally totally disturbed, running around unclothed. Then Jesus came. When Jesus came, the tempter's power was broken. And when they saw that man, he was setting, he was at peace. He was clothed, he was decent. And he was in his right mind. God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallmark as we get closer to the return of the Lord is deception. Deceiving and being deceived. Deceiving and being deceived. The world is being trained to worship a man. The, man, the world is being trained to worship the dragon through worshiping a man. It is heading towards us quickly. And then let me say finally to you today, our strength Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This is a point of conflict. There used to be a phrase that's used. It's not used much anymore. It would talk about people making bad decisions when they were young that led to a lot of trouble in their lives. And they talked about the dissipation of youth. That was the term. Does anybody besides this older fellow heard that? The dissipation of youth. What it means is the strength that's supposed to be there when you're young, they've wasted on something else. People say this as a joke. They say, man, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd take better care of myself. I mean, I've heard that. I mean, you've said that sort of thing. Uh, well, the dissipation of youth points to that, that people use their youth, their strength, and waste it on things with that. It's interesting. We use the word prodigal. You all know about the prodigal son? The word prodigal is not a Bible word. It's a descriptive word. It's a good word. But the word prodigal means wasteful or a waster. You can use it in a sentence such as that as a prodigal use of the assets of that company. It's the idea of wasting something. And the key characteristic of that son's life was wasted. He went there and wasted his father's living. He wasted what he had. That's the idea of strength. God wants you to use your strength and not to sacrifice your strength. We need to, we need to realize the value of our strength. 
We need to realize the vitality of our strength. We also need to realize the vulnerability of our strength. I, I say very seriously to you, as the men I know and men I graduate from Bible college with, men I've known for many, many years in the ministry, the fact that today I can get up on my own power and have strength and come preach all day and have special activities and preach tonight and have, have strength to do things and be able to carry the schedule and be able to pastor and be able to do these things and be able to get myself where I need to go. I am so profoundly grateful for that. You say, well, preacher, don't you take steps to get yourself that way? I do, but in one moment, in one accident, in one illness, it could be gone. I'm grateful today. Oh, don't throw away what God's given you. Listen, Lord, you went through a tough time health-wise here the last couple months, haven't you? Yeah. Makes you grateful to be. You said, you said in class, my lungs have had a tough time. I suspicion, now I'm not a doctor, but I suspicion if your lungs have had a tough time, the rest of you had a sick. They seem to affect you a lot, don't they? Brother Keith, you'd like to be able to live without a pump on your side, making sure your insulin stays in place. Look, how long have you, how long have you been insulin dependent? Since you were 16. That's been at least 10 years ago? Yep. <laughs> 20 years ago? <laughs> and that's something? I never had that when I was 16. Tell you what, thank God for what you've got. Thank God for the strength. Thank God if you can do anything. You say, well, I've got problems. But if you've got the vitality, you've got strength, don't waste it. Don't throw it away through foolish living. Don't throw it away through foolish habits and activities. Pay attention and take care of the one body that God gave you and take care of it and try to do right by the Lord with it. Serve Him. Honor Him. Do what's right with it. Why? Because our strength. It's vital. Use our strength with it. Don't be wasteful of it. Don't be wicked or worldly in it. Always seek to be wise with it. You say, what do you do wise with it? Good to the use of edification. Using our strength to be a blessing to others. And be honoring to God. Points of conflict. Points of conflict. Our hearts. Point of conflict. I'm giving you some specific Bible. I've not got up here and said, here's some bad habits and you ought to avoid those, some good ones. I've given you specifics. Your soul, there's some specifics. Our minds, there's some specifics. Our strength, there's specifics. Use it for what God wants us to. That uh, the Bible says that the lust of the flesh, war against the soul. Can you imagine that? You're taking one strength, what should be a strength, and it's fighting against something else. That would be the devil's plan, wouldn't it, for a, a, a household divided against itself? What did, stop and think for a minute. What about your, what about your heart? Have you, have you stopped and thought about what you can do to keep your heart towards the Lord? Aren't there a lot of things you encounter in life? Maybe you live in a different type of world than I do. The world I live in has all kinds of things that can take your heart away. What are you going to do to stay close to it? What about your, what about your soul? The essence of your being. What about your mind? What are you, what are you putting in it? Oh, preacher, it don't matter. Yeah, it does. You put in poison, it poisons you. <laughs> That's how it works. How many of you older folks remember when computers came in early? I don't know if they still use this term at all. Caleb, you can let me know. Giga, do they still use it? You don't know what that is? No, Giga. When I grew up, Gigoing, we got gig frogs. I knew about that. But then Giga, how many of you who are much older than young Caleb? Garbage in? Garbage out. Giga. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. Your brain's set up that way. 
I, I promise you, some people ought to have giggo tattooed right there. Garbage in, garbage out. You can't feed yourself poison to stay healthy. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for the those encouragement and sobriety of this morning. Lord, help us to be a people committed to you. You want us to love you wholly. Lord, help us to do that. We need you. We'll take the responsibility of what's ours to do, but God, we need guidance. I pray for those who have a desire and are specific in their desire wanting to follow you. Lord, I pray you open to them what steps they need. Reveal to them from the Scripture what they need. Lord, help us to encourage and strengthen one another to follow you. Bless your people, please, at this invitation time. And Lord, if I've spoken in the ears of one who's not your child, they've sat here today in church, but they don't really know you. Lord, it was a good day when you brought me under conviction so many years ago. Showed me that I needed you. Lord, would you do that for them? Would you show them their need, please? I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. No leaving or talking. Very important part of our service. We'll never do anything out of the way and come and be inappropriate, but I would ask you a specific question. If I was talking to you one-on-one, I would want to know this. Is Christ Jesus your Savior? Not just you know about Him, not are you a religious person, not are you a member of this church or some other, but do you know Christ indeed as your Savior? There's been a point where you realize you have a need of Him because you are sinful and have sinned. You have sinned. And you have sinned because you are sinful. And you realize you need His forgiveness. You need His life. How about you? Do you really know the Lord? If you don't, I have a moment of invitation here in a moment. You could come and someone here can take a Bible and talk to you and show you scripturally how a person can know Christ as their Savior. Or there may be someone standing near you that could. They're throughout the room here. There's people who can talk to you. But don't leave here without knowing the Lord as your Savior. Then I'd ask you who are believers, is this a serious matter for us to do what Jesus said was the first and greatest commandment? To love the Lord completely. May God help us to do this, please. We have a song invitation. You need to respond to the Lord today, why don't you at this time?